Well, this is a celebratory Sunday, and what a wonderful Sunday to be um, having the baptism and confirmation of these youth, because this is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, the, the liturgical color for Pentecost is red, because it kind of symbolizes that fire of the Holy Spirit that came down, and the choir and some of the rest of us are wearing red, and that's just fun to see as a celebratory thing. I'm going to be reading um, the rather familiar passage for Pentecost um, from Acts 2. I'm going to be reading the first 11 verses. Uh, the rest of the chapter is just fabulous, but in the in interest of time, I suggest read it when you get home, okay? But I'm going to be reading 1 through 11, and I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And, and the they here are Jesus' followers, and we know from another place in Scripture there were maybe about 120 of them there, so not a huge, enormous congregation, but a nice-sized one. And Jesus had said, you know, stay and wait until you get the power from one high. So they were all together in one place and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability." Now, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And back at that time, Galilee was kind of the backwater, if you will, of the land of Israel. The sophisticated place was Jerusalem and, and the places close to it. And people for Galilee were mostly just what we might call peasants, if you will. And they were unlearned and uneducated. And so they were not people who would have known foreign languages. And so it says, how do we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds and power. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it's something that we all do. I do it. You do it. Kathleen does it. And when we do it, we rarely think about it, rarely consider it. And what am I talking about? Breathing, of course. 
We sit here, or I stand here this morning. The air comes in, the air goes out. More air comes in. Because I'm kind of um, a quirky person, I guess, I decided that I would do a bit of math. Every one of us breathes about 20,000 times every day. That means more than 7 million times in a year. And if a person lives to be 70, he or she will take about half a billion, that's a billion with a B, breaths. But we tend to be rather unconscious of it. God created us to breathe. And we just do it. And we don't think about it unless something begins to go wrong. You know, a few years ago, there were people who suffered from the pneumonia that went along with a COVID-19 infection at times. Problematic for their breathing. Sometimes things go wrong when there's too much smoke in the air around us. Or we might have times when we're doing something really, really hard and the exertion leaves us winded. And at one of those times, whether it's illness or exertion or the pollution around us, we might say something on the order of, I need to catch my breath. And we just automatically try to catch our breath because our bodies know that if there is no breath, there is no life. You know, sometimes little kids or toddlers having a tantrum will try to hold their breath. But eventually, reflex says, okay, I'm breathing, and it all comes back in. And a lot of you all here today know that for the first season of my adult life, I worked as a registered nurse, and some of the people that I cared for had lung disease. And while many of them did live with their lung disease for years, and maybe it didn't kill them, it impeded their lives, and it curtailed that, their activity, and it limited their sense of well-being. And the thing is, just as that is true physically, there is a similar thing that can happen to us spiritually. Physical breath is essential to our bodies, and spiritual breath is absolutely essential for our souls. And so this day of Pentecost, this day when we celebrate God's Spirit coming, is essential to the life of the church collectively, and it's essential to the life of each one of us, and it's essential to the lives of each of these um, confirmands who are coming into the room, these who were baptized. It's essential for them too. Because one of the things that um, after Marcus um, immersed them, I hope you could hear him say, they, the Holy Spirit work within you, that being born of water and the Spirit, 
you may become a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. And that, that's really what it's all about for us. You know, last week we were here, if you were here with us, we were thinking about Jesus' ascension into heaven and when he said, wait for the power on high. And he said, it's, gonna, it's better for you if I leave because the Holy Spirit will come. But we think, who's the Holy Spirit and what's his purpose? And what happened on that day of Pentecost that changed everything? And what difference does it really make to you and me and why is it that when any of us are baptized, that the person doing it says, may the Holy Spirit work within you? You know, one writer says that for a lot of Christians, the Holy Spirit is sort of on the same level as their pituitary gland. Have you guys ever heard of your pituitary gland? You don't have to get your phone out and look it up. <laughs> Your pituitary gland is really, 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 really important to make your whole body work. And if you study anatomy, you've heard about it, and you know it's somewhere, you might even know it's important. But a lot of people don't know anything more about their pituitary gland than, about, than that. Not just the confirmands. I bet if I asked all of you all, there would be some of you who couldn't explain it all to me. But that's, that's kind of like the Holy Spirit. We kind of know it's there. We kind of know it's important. But why? What's, what's it going to do for us? Well, the word used in Scripture for spirit is this Greek word pneuma. And it can also be translated, along with being translated spirit, we call it the Holy Spirit, but it can also be translated breath. And that kind of makes sense because we talk about if a person's got lung problems, they've got pneumonia. And it's the same word. They've got an illness that impairs their breathing. And so if we sing a song like, Breathe on me, breath of God, what we're asking for is for the Holy Spirit to fill us and to, to be to our spirits what our, the air is to our physical beings. You know, being the breath of God, the Holy Spirit is the life giver. And we saw in this passage that we just heard that the Holy Spirit gives energy and power. And so when we have this breath of God, the very life of God in us, then we have been given the ability to live holy lives and godly lives, lives that are Christ-like, lives that can even look like the very life of Jesus himself. All of these things that we can't do on our own, all of these ways of living that were impossible for us before are now a possibility because we have God's own Holy Spirit in us. But unfortunately, we Christians don't always avail ourselves of that life-giving power. I'm going to continue this breath metaphor here. I think sometimes we don't learn to breathe deeply. 
Some people are not given physically to breathing deeply, and you might go to the doctor or have a therapist say, you need, especially after surgery, when there's been some trauma, the nurse will come in and say, take deep breaths. It's just part of it. And, and just like we need that physically, we need it even more spiritually. We need to breathe deeply. But sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we have a problem because we spend way too much time in a polluted atmosphere. Now, there are times when we can't avoid a polluted atmosphere. But if we spend too much time there, it's a problem. And, and when the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Galatia, he reminded them that what lives lived apart from the Spirit of God, lives that did not breathe deeply of the breath of God, if you will, what those lives look like. So if you're kind of holding your breath and not letting the Spirit get in you, here's what you end up with. Sexual immorality, moral corruption, doing whatever feels good, idolatry, drug use and casting spells, hate, fighting, obsession, losing your temper, competitive opposition, conflict, selfishness, group rivalry, jealousy, drunkenness, partying, and then he winds it up and says, and other things like that. Okay, so if there's something he missed, there's more. And friends, this is straight out of scripture. But it sounds kind of like the headlines of the daily news, doesn't it? But that is life lived apart from the Spirit of God. And unfortunately, that's a lot of the polluted atmosphere that is around us a lot of the time. And we, we can't escape it. And, and we're called to, to be God's presence in that atmosphere. But we need to watch out and make sure that we're letting God's breath be the thing that fills us and not the polluted atmosphere. Because if we breathe that long enough, we are going to get sick spiritually and emotionally and mentally. But the good news is we don't have to get sick. It doesn't have to be that way. On this day of Pentecost, the Spirit came, and not just those believers, but every believer since then has been given the gift of the Spirit of God so that we don't have to carry out our selfish desires, and we can have this life-giving breath. And when the Spirit is in us, changing us, we begin to live the Spirit's life, and that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so it's there for us, and we need it just as much as those people in that upper room 2,000 years ago, every bit as much as the crowd of people who heard the noise and came to see and found out, we still need that power. We still need to take that breath because if we don't breathe deeply, 
we run the risk of making bad decisions and selfish decisions and becoming careless of the lives of others. And you might think, well, you know, why is that? You know, I'm a Christian. I try to be a good person. But I think there is an answer to that that was brilliantly written by the writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And some of you may have even read some stuff by Solzhenitsyn. He died a few years back. He was a well-known Russian-Soviet dissident of the last century. And as a youngish man, he wrote some things in a private letter to a friend that didn't go well with the powers that be in the state. And he was sent to a labor camp in Siberia for some years. Not a happy time for him, but he did become a Christian there, and he just wrote some brilliant stuff. And one thing that he said that I think is so true, he says, the line separating good and evil passes not through states, nor between classes of people, like, you know, the aristocrats and the peasants, not between political parties either, not the Democrats and the Republicans. The line separating good and evil passes right through every human heart and through all human hearts. It runs right through Rebecca's heart. It runs through each of your all's hearts. Every last one of us was born with a sinful nature. And there may still be times when we find ourselves saying or doing things that we wish we hadn't said or we wish we hadn't done. But the more and the more and the more and the more that we breathe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's help and the Holy Spirit's power, we will begin to live differently. It's why we need to breathe so deeply. But sometimes we don't. I think that often Christians are uncertain about the work of the Spirit. You know, it's like the pituitary gland. They've heard of it, but they don't really know what it's done. Sometimes people have, because of their experience or experience of somebody they know, they're like, well, you know, is it going to cause me to do strange things or whatever? And that, that's so sad because we do not need to be fearful of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the life of Jesus in us, changing us day by day and moment and moment to be shaped like his. And yeah, it might get us in trouble at times as Jesus got in trouble with the authorities when he reached out to people that they didn't like or whatever. But the Holy Spirit will always lead us into the right place. We need not be fearful about that. We need to breathe deeply. But sometimes we don't. Sometimes we quench the spirit. Paul talked about that in one of his letters. And, and, and when he talks about quenching the spirit, you know, put this mental image of holding your breath. 
or just taking the most shallow breaths that you have to. And we can do that too. We can ignore that voice within that seeks to remind us when it is that we are living selfishly. That little nudge when we're about to lose our temper or we're living in conflict with those around us. I think that we can choke the Spirit's breath within us when we live our lives at such a pace that we never really take time to listen, to hear what it is that God's saying to us. And boy, that's so easy to do. And it's easy to do for preacher types too. Get that to-do list going, and I'm just going to keep ramming through and not take time to breathe deeply. And I think we can smother the Spirit's work in us. We can smother that breath, if you will, when we convince ourselves that, eh, I'm really a pretty good person. I've got my act together on most days. I really don't need to worry about it like all of those riffraff. No, we need to make it our aim all day and every day to be getting the Spirit breath that we need. Because wonderful things happened because of the spirit breath. On that day of Pentecost when the spirit came and the church was born and the good news about Jesus began to spread across the inhabited earth, not only were the individual lives changed of those people that heard, but ultimately culture was changed. You know, I I think it was sort of like this ground cover. You've got a ground cover that spreads over time, and, and it takes a barren landscape, and it makes it very beautiful. That's what the work of the Spirit can do if we are letting it happen. So on this day, we praise God that Jesus has not left us alone he, has, he hasn't asked us to do impossible things in our own strength. But he's given us his very breath so that you and I could live a life of love and grace toward others and a life of personal holiness in ourselves. On this day, Jesus is inviting us to catch our breath And then to begin to breathe deeply and consistently. Because he's not through with us. He's not through with each one of you. He's not through with this congregation. And he's not through with the world that he died to save. And for that, thanks be to God.